Good day, everyone, and welcome to Vent Specs. This is a new thing that we're trying to do with the Ventilator Podcast, and we wanted to do a small breakout session on different aspects of different ventilators. And today, we wanted to talk about the Hamilton T1 and two different modes. And those modes are APV, SCMV, and APV, SIMV. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to our uh, resident respiratory therapist and our resident nurse medic as well and let those guys kind of uh, hash it out and do a brief overview of what those uh, modes are and what they mean and what they can do. So, guys, I'm going I'm to hand it off to you and um, let you guys go with it. Oh, okay. Hey, well, glad, glad, uh, bring great topic, great topic you brought there. Um, so how do you transition from, uh, either the hospital van or any, any van if you're doing a handoff, um, to the Hamilton T1? You know, you want to look at the main thing is how is it, how is that mode interacting with the patient, right? That's the most important thing to think about. And am I targeting a volume or am I targeting a pressure? So the two modes that, um, that, uh, Jerome just brought up was uh, let's talk about the first one, which is the APD adaptive pressure ventilation SCMV. That's a volume targeted breath and it's really assist control, right? Because, and if you're confused about that, just um, all you really need is a test lung and uh, look at your settings. If you have a tighter volume of 500 rate of 12, you know, trigger that test lung. And if they're getting a tighter volume of 500, that's assist control, right? That's how I would, you know, if I didn't understand how the vent worked, I could see how it's interacting with the test lung. I could say, well, I classify that as assist control because every breath is going to be the targeted tidal volume that I, that I have there. Um, so really what that mode translates to me to once I, once I determine that is AC volume targeted, but it's also, I, I, I classify it as PRVC, pressure regulated volume control, because it's throwing a decelerating flow into that tidal volume to keep the pressure as low as possible. And that's why I like that particular mode. I know the Ravel has a PRVC that not many people use because there's some confusion around it. But just to reiterate, it's a dual control mode where you get to set a tidal volume with a pressure-delivered breath, the flow is going in as a pressure-delivered breath. And it's the best of both worlds is what it is. And so there's your top left corner. And I tell people with the Hamilton T1, if you're not comfortable with the machine yet, just top left corner. That's a cis control to volume target, PRVC. It's probably going to be your go-to mode about 90% of the time. It's a safe mode to go with your guaranteed a minute volume. And uh, the patient is going to love it for a lot of different reasons, uh, including that uh, adaptive uh, uh, flow that goes in there. And then the next one is with the IMV. Anytime you see IMV, it's usually an SIMV, synchronized intermittent mandatory ventilation. Don't get confused by that. But again, if you have a test lung that you could trigger a breath, when you go ahead and have a tight of 500 rate of 12 and go ahead and trigger a breath or, or have that uh, test lung draw a breath, it's going to be a spontaneous breath. That typically means you're in SIMV, right? So it won't be the same delivered breath of the 500 tidal volume. So now I just classified that particular mode into an SIMV mode with a volume target. So that's as simple as I could put it. Just pay attention to how it interacts with the patient. Do they trigger a set volume 
or can they take a spontaneous breath? They trigger that set volume, and that's set with the sensitivity or flow trigger. Uh, it'll come as the same as the set volume or pressure. And if they could take a spontaneous breath, that's typically SIMV mode. So that's that's about the simplest way I could put it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, really, what you just said just really, uh, it, it, it helped me wrap what I thought I understood about it and, and made it a more clear picture. Uh, Caleb, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so me trying to translate it over, um, thinking about what the vent actually has, uh, what my old vent actually has, what my new vent actually has. <clears throat> and so typically what we try to teach is uh, how does AC, uh, what is AC control first, assisted control. So making sure people understand that the control is that you're given, that you're delivering a mandatory volume, a mandatory breath each time as it goes through. With your assisted is if the patient does de- uh, decide to take a uh, or trigger a specific breath, then it's going to give you a full volume as it's going through. And making sure that we understand that on the old ventilator that we were maybe uh, uh, using for transport and then maybe moving to the new uh, ventilator software over here where it's going to change. That's going to be the same as the AC was the APVS CMV. Where it's going to differ is is now on the uh, on the T1 ventilator, it's looking at the minimum amount of pressure that it needs to achieve that tidal volume over there. So to Shaw's point, that's the PRVC for my brain trying to break it down. I have to make sure that I'm translating this from AC volume, but knowing how that adaptive pressure ventilation mode is going to change on the T1. And so again, it's looking, that's the reason why when you're first hooking up on the T1, I believe, Shalvin, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but when you put, you want to actually put your patient on the ventilator and then start the ventilator mode because it looks at that first breath that's actually being being delivered in there. And then once it's doing that, it looks at the pressure, it looks at the resistance, looks at the compliance and the minimum pressure to needed to achieve that tidal volume. And it's going to ramp up slowly to get to that tidal volume. Is that correct? Is that the way that I'm yep. looking at that correct or is my yep. I'm off on that? Okay, That's correct. That is correct. And it's important to note that if you're changing, putting a patient on your ventilator, that the patient, if they're awake and alert, understands that, that the machine's going to take a few breaths to get that plateau pressure, to get that volume and, and, and how to deliver it. It's not going to know right off the bat because it doesn't know what the compliance and resistance is. Okay. And then the other thing with this one is the SINV. And so now translating from the SINV over to APV SINV, same thing with volume targeted, what you're looking for. So we're only looking for the volume modes and stuff right now. So you're again, you're setting the target tidal volume that you're trying to achieve. It's looking at the minimum pressure, but then it's allowing the spontaneous breaths to be achieved by the patient and the patient's going to pull what the patient's going to pull. Okay. So meaning that you're almost having like two set waveforms here or two set breathing patterns. You've got a vent delivered breath uh, p- pattern, just like normally on the SIMV. And then you've got the spontaneous one that's going to be a, a potentially assisted by the pressure support when the patient uh, takes a spontaneous breath. So, so again, that's how my brain is trying to translate this. Go ahead. So what you're saying is, and, and what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to wrap my head around this as well, is that when you're talking about APV, SIMV, uh, the patient is responsible for the volume received for a spontaneous breath. Am I correct by saying that? Yeah. Yes. 
versus yes. it being the, a fully ventilator triggered breath where the ventilator is going to be responsible for the volume received. But on SIMV or APV SIMV is going to be the patients going to get what they pull are going to be responsible for what they get. I think it's important to add that we would either put a pressure support breath on that spontaneous breath to get by the airway resistance of the ET tube or the tracheostomy tube. Okay. Or in, in, in the case of, um, and that's with most ventilators, in the case with the Hamilton T1, some ventilators come with something called P-Sync, where if that box is checked, the flow sensor knows um, that the patient still wants flow and it'll continue to give flow until it senses the patient's backing off. So I, I always recommend um, in, if you're comfortable in SIMV mode and you know what pressure support they were on in the sending facility and or the one you want them on to titrate that pressure for what your exhale titivium you're aiming for with your spontaneous breaths, you could titrate that pressure if you like, or you could put P-Sync on there and let the machine do all the thinking for you. Yeah. So you brought up something very, uh, very quickly uh, or very importantly, should I say. So Shaf, talk to me just about uh, just a few minutes about uh, I'm used to coming off of a let's say that I'm used to coming off of a uh, pressure trigger. Uh, and now the Hamilton T1 is using a flow trigger and that's going to be looking at like five liters, 10 liters per minute or something. What's what's the differences of uh, the flow trigger versus the pressure trigger in some of these mo- in, in these modes? Oh, yeah, that's a whole different ballgame there. The flow trigger is what the machine needs to see the patient pulling, right? So if it defaults at five liters on an adult with the Hamilton T1. So if, and remember that flow sensor is right there, pretty close to the end of that ET tube. So it's really responsive. So if the patient pulls in for a breath, and that's at five liters per minute, which is pretty sensitive for, for an adult to pull that. They're pretty easily pull that. Uh, the machine says, oh, the patient wants a breath, right? And that's true in the assist control mode to give a set volume or pressure. And it's also true in the SIMV mode to give a pressure support breath, right? So you you would leave it, typically you would leave it at the five liters per minute, This the uh the flow trigger, it's called. It's flow sensitivity. The Ravel calls it the sensitivity setting. It's it's all the same semantics. Um, typically, you would leave it at five unless, unless, this is where it gets tricky, you have a leak in your system, and there's autocycling happening because of that leak, a blown cuff or an uncuffed trach or tube or something like that. Then you would walk that flow trigger back farther away, like make it less sensitive by going from five to eight to 10 until that auto cycling stops. That's a whole other um, podcast in itself. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. Absolutely. And what, what I was trying to reference is, is like, so if I'm used to coming off of assist control and saying that I'm, I'm at a pressure trigger and it's at set at like negative two, negative one, somewhere around in there, it's going to be easier for the patient to actually trigger that breath because that's where the diaphragm is pulling that negative pressure where it's actually triggering that. So the more negative that I'm actually going, uh, the harder it's actually going to be for the patient to pull the breath, which is going to increase the work of breathing. The more positive I actually go towards the zero, then it's going to be easier for them. So, again, me in my head trying to relate that as to, okay, now I'm used to a pressure trigger. 
on my patients. Now, how is that going to relate to a flow trigger or flow sensitivity for that? Because flow is constantly going in and out of the ventilator circuit there. And then when, like you said, if it's set at uh, a lower sensitivity setting, like five liters, it's going to be easier for the patient to actually trigger. So am I correct in saying that if you increase it to 10 liters per minute, it's going to be harder for the patient to actually trigger a breath or to uh, initiate a breath, correct? That's correct. You're, you're 100% okay. right. And I try to stay away from pressure triggering. It's just, you know, the old-fashioned, it takes forever for the machine to respond to that pressure trigger. It, it, to me, it's I, I do, uh, the patient synchronizes way better with flow sensitivity and the flow sensor being close to that ET2. Okay. Okay. So now my next question, how do I get a plateau pressure, exact plateau pressure measurement in APV SCMV and APV SIMV to me? Okay. So you're setting, this is where the adaptive pressure comes in. So it's a pressure regulated, technically PRVC mode, right? So you're limiting the pressure that it's in there. So if you're limiting the pressure inside the chest cavity, that is your plateau pressure, not necessarily the exact measurement of it. And there's a complex formula that you can actually use. But I, sometimes I get these questions as to, well, you can't measure a plateau pressure. It's like, but you're limiting your pressure in the chest cavity. What do you think, Shaf? I mean, am I off on that one or just no, what, you, is there a better throw- way of explaining it? Well, I, I, you're throwing a curveball out there. It, it's You can't. The problem with the the way the T1 is set up is that you can't uh, do an inspiratory hold, okay? It doesn't have the inspiratory hold, right, right. expiratory hold feature. So what it does for plateau pressure is it uses a calculation, but it rarely comes up because there has to be, to measure, by definition, to measure a plateau pressure, you have to have a no-flow situation because what you're doing actually is measuring the pressure at the uh, other end of the ET tube. At the Which you only get in a volume, a true volume mode, right? right? True, true, exactly. So I, I run into problems all the time with these uh, these ICU slash ED docs that they want to get plateau pressures in the emergency department and I have the T1 and C1 or whatever, and it's like, well, why can't I get a plateau? I said, listen, you're in PRVC. Your plateau is going to be really close to your peak inspiratory pressure. Let's just go with that. And they're like, no, no. I Because they want to do the calculations for the AA gradients and all that stuff. It's like, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. So um, I do find I can get a plateau pressure in adaptive support ventilation. It will come up, not with an inspiratory hold, but it will come up in the monitored wind value. So. Um, okay. Uh, three, but it is, you can't, the way I best explain it is I'm not able to do an inspiratory hold, but it, it will give you auto peep and you're not able to do an expiratory hold. So it'll quantify auto peep to some degree. And it's not, in my opinion, an experience deadly accurate. It's more of a loose calculation that you definitely are auto peeping, but we're going to throw a number out there. I just don't know how accurate that number is. Okay. Yeah, I think that would probably depend on what's going on with your patient as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'd have certain clinical signs and, and certain things going on just by visualizing what's going on with your patient if you're unable to get uh, those monitored values also. Right, because, I mean, and there's other settings in, in the APV. So, like, like when the pressure is actually variable, it's actually looking at your high parameter and it's going to set it, set it technically 10 below that. Your pressure setting is like 10 below that. So, just for us over uh, trying to translate the modes is you're still setting a set tidal volume. 
you're still setting a rate, you're still setting your FIO2 here as well. And you can also set uh, a, a flow sensitivity or flow trigger if that's what you want to look the way that you want to look at it. So the settings is, is translated over the same. It's just with the adaptive pressure ventilation, it's going in and looking at the minimum amount of pressure that it needs to achieve to reach that target tidal volume in the chest. Once you move over to the SINV, it's still, you're still setting a target tidal volume there, FIO2, the rate again, uh, but again with the adaptive pressure ventilation in order to achieve that that uh, tidal volume in there, it's looking at the minimum amount of pressure that it's actually going to need in the in the chest cavity. That's the reason why on the plateau pressure measurements, you're not going to get a true pressure or plateau pressure because it's a pressure waveform. It's a pressure targeted mode there yep. instead of a volume targeted. So you don't stop the inspiratory flow coming there. So, you know, sometimes I get those questions. And like I said, from my head, you know, trying to make sure that I'm translating this through when, I'm looking at, so what else of that I'm actually seeing, but you're still going to be able to see your compliance of your chest. You're still going to be able to see the resistance and you can still actually move back over to the dynamic lung modes there, correct, Shaw, and actually look at the resistance and the compliance there sure. and actually start trying to measure that, which is understandably, that's what I actually, to me, I want to see a little bit more of uh, monitored values there and uh I guess, monitoring screens uh, so I can actually know what's going on inside the chest uh, when I'm when I'm trying to make calculations or when I'm trying to make measure or changes, ventilator changes there. I get it out in a minute. For some reason today, I can't talk. I'm tongue-tied. Sounds like All my right. day every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just, just using the ARDSnet protocol guidelines or you know, keep the plateaus below 30, right? And and that's kind of true with even normal lungs. Just keep your pit below 30, right? That, that's, you know, that's a good place to aim for. Some days it is what it is, right? If you pick up a patient and their pip has been 40 on the hospital vent and that's what it is, you're not going to change all that because their compliance is what it is. But, you know, if you're targeting uh, volumes and watching your peak in-story pressure, um, just keep it below 30. And that will be your plateau. Let's just play that as your plateau is, is how I look at it because I'm not able to measure that plateau pressure. Right. And I mean, I I, this is not the end all be all uh, on this mode. It's just kind of like an introduction. Like, like Shaw said, there's a whole lot more that we can dive into, especially with the curveballs with, um, you know, compliance and resistance, the dynamic lung measurements and uh, everything that, that you can actually unpack on the T1 when you're actually starting to look at this. So this is just beginning modes, but just the basics, trying to understand that translating how, what I was used to using to trying to move into, you know, what am I using now? Uh, that's the biggest ones of uh, that first step, first little nugget there. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. when you thought you knew your ventilator, welcome to the world of <laughs> Hamilton T1. <laughs> love it. I love that's it. Great. I love it. What else you got, Jerome? What do you think? Well, I'm just sitting here just just listening to you guys uh, talk about uh, the different modes and what works and what doesn't. And to me, it it helps me wrap my head around it. Uh, The biggest point that I could pull out from what Shaw said is, you know, uh, said keep your pip at 30. If if that's what you're uh, because that way your plateau pressure is not going to go above that anyway. And. I like that as looking at it as a as kind of my safety net, for lack of better words, um, because you know, th- to me that that rung 
I could write that on the wall. Uh, just just saying it like that. Um, I, but I think uh, probably before we go any further, because I feel like we could probably go uh, another 30 or 40 minutes to keep this down uh, for the vent specs uh, side of things. I think that's probably all the time that we've got for this one. Uh, just remember, guys, um, as always, we want to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you'll never miss any of our episodes, any of our vent specs side of our conversations. And um, if you got any questions, comments, or just want to say hello, uh, drop us a line. Uh, criticalcaretriad at outlook.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And, um, you know, thanks guys for tuning in. And until next time, uh, like I said, hit subscribe and keep those emails coming. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. See you. The information provided in this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for medical direction or training. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the organization or institution that they may represent. The listeners are advised that the information contained in this podcast should be used in conjunction with professional medical training and best practice guidelines. The host and guests of this podcast take no responsibility for the actions or decisions of the listeners.